I'd like to uh, start this week with an appeal mm. on behalf of... Um, it's a charity I've set up. It's called Writers Without Central Heating Boilers. Okay. And uh, it's basically for all writers whose <laughs> boiler is no longer working and they have to replace it. <laughs> if, if you've been affected by any of the issues here... <laughs> Contact. Call our helpline or just call me and give me your bank details so that I can replace the boiler. <laughs> Shall we start? Hmm. Welcome everybody to episode 149 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined by Joe Davis. Hello. Hello. I'm not grumpy this week, but I know someone who is. Oh, my boiler needs replacing. Oh, it does in so many ways. No. I think, you know, I, you know, last week well, we talked about shopping habits and, yeah. you know, me spent, I think, is this God's way of curing that? Yes. By diverting all of my available money to <laughs> plumbing repairs. I can't believe it. I didn't think it was that, but I called the plumber in and no. Yeah. It's just got to, got to replace the boiler. Yeah, that's upsetting. Well, we could do a patch-up repair or something. That it might not work, so in which case you're just throwing money mm. down whatever orifice a boiler has. Mm, it's true. I'm sorry. Believe me. I feel your pain. It'll have a few more orifices if I get a hammer going on it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Any yeah. good news? <laughs> well, yes. Well, the good news is we're all right. Anyway, mm. Grayson Perry is back. Oh, good. Yay. Bless him. Um, Grayson Perry's art club. All right. When's and that then, on? Did you see it last week? No, no I didn't, didn't know he's back. Oh, I'm going to watch it. So last week's episode has the most strange thing. It's, it has a bit from Harry Hill, the comedian. Oh, yeah. You know, many... One yeah. of my favourites, and he uh, decided that he couldn't, he can't hug people, right? But you can hug trees, so he decided that he would find a tree that re- <laughs> <laughs> represented people. That's and he, brilliant! And it's very funny. He goes around sort of saying to the tree, "No, you're too tall. You're too yeah. big. You're too." And then he's looking for his mother. So he's tree to be his mother, and then he he finds a tree. And it's got a photo, a picture of his mother's head on this tree, you know. And he goes and hugs it. But the curious thing is, I was in tears when he was hugging the tree because he he genuinely was, you know, like saying he loved his mother. And that's very powerful. And I thought this sudden, this strange time that we're in, that I am finding myself crying at a surreal comedian (laughs) hugging a tree with a photo (laughs) of his mother on. All right, I've got to watch it now. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's great. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, Grace and Perry's back, and Gardener's World will soon return, and then my Friday will be complete. So. <laughs> You're living the the middle aged dream, aren't you? <laughs> oh, do you know what? The thing is, I I know, you know, I don't watch much telly, but I have dis- I've discovered that I really like television programs about trains as well. Oh, no. <laughs> What's happening to me, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. Do you find yourself wanting to? Hang out with Michael Petillo, as it were. <laughs> no, no, well, not that far. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but no, I, I've always loved trains anyway, but I just okay. get excited about... Oh, something's gone wrong. Something's broken in me, Joe. <laughs> it has. I don't know what's I, I've been telling you that for years. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I wrote an article. wrote an article this week. Did you? Yeah, on oh, good. Uh, Christian platitudes. Oh, good. 
Uh, we'll talk about it when it comes out. I can't remember what okay. issue of Christianity it's coming out in. But it's all about language, which is appropriate this week because we've got a, an interview. We have. That you're doing with Margaret Metcalf. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, very excited about. And uh, all about language. So we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Very yeah. interesting interview. Mm. And you you have had a birthday, haven't you? I have had a birthday. And, do you know, I've even had a present from one of my friends, which oh. is a very unusual departure from the norm. <laughs> and what a wonderful present it was, too. Uh, it's a map. Uh, but it's a map unlike uh, any map of the British Isles that anyone has ever seen before, because this just highlights all the kind of rude names everywhere <laughs> <laughs> on our fair isles. And it is very, very funny. I saw it <laughs> and I thought of you immediately. <laughs> and I can't it's... believe that you live near, and I don't even have to bleep this out because this is a real place. You live yeah. near a place called Falking. Is that right? Yes, I do. Falking Hill. Yes, I do. It's a genuine Falking Hill. There it is. You've never taken it's me. About, you've never taken it's, me there. It's just about ten miles away. I don't. <laughs> I dare not. I went. I love these places. These make life worthwhile. I, I went to. I, start, I went to on holiday. We had a holiday cottage on down in Cornwall mm. at a place called Fioc. F e o c k. We went there deliberately just because of the place name. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am thinking of going to Scotland to a place called Twat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I was oh. particularly encouraged by the cul-de-sac called Bell End. <laughs> <laughs> and these are all genuine, genuine places. These are all genuine places in the UK. So we, we, we can't be accused of being rude here because it's... No, um, yeah. no. I don't see what's funny about it, really. I don't know why I'm laughing. I know. No, we can't be accused of being childish either. No, so that's... No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, hang on. No, wait. <laughs> Anyway, all right, moving on, anyway. moving on. Yeah. How are you? Anyway, enough from me, grumpy old boiler listener. Yes. Well, I had a, I had a lockdown birthday, like you do, mm-hmm. and that was very pleasant. Plenty of phone calls and Zooms and things like that. And and a, a couple of bottles of wine and some cheese. I mean, I think I've got enough cheese in the house to open a um, cheese shop now, so that's... <laughs> over cheese. That. Uh, you know you're talking about cheese mm. and, you know, making a video of unwrapping cheese. Well, I actually got a parcel of cheese for the che- surprise cheese party I had on Saturday <laughs> night with family and friends. I mean, that is extraordinary, you're isn't surpri- it? <laughs> a surprise cheese party. I had a surprise cheese party and I was told to sit in a certain room and then suddenly this tray full of cheeses came <laughs> praise cheeses it was wonderful absolutely fantastic anyway mm. so that was great um on a more serious note i you know caught up with um what uh, uh lacy was suggesting the other week i did my little lament mind map do you remember we were just talking about yeah naming your loss yes it was really helpful so i just put this kind of you know, COVID-19 lockdown lament in the middle and then just loads of little spidery oh, diagrams. Yeah, it was good. And here's some good news. Go on. So you may remember last week I was rather grumpy about a certain hedge that had gone down. Yeah, and you're do- may, may I point out you're doing exactly the same thing you did last yes, week. Yes, I know. I'm leaning sitting, back, creaking, creaking away and staring out of your window and not yes. even addressing well, the Because I'm looking at I'm looking at the fence. The bare fence. I know. Okay, so the hedge came down. Yeah, the hedge came down. The fence went up. But there is a, there is some good news, and the good news is this: they left a little gap between the little brick wall and the six foot fence, 
and they have planted some things that can only be described as very small shrubberies at this stage. Okay. <laughs> but, but it does give me hope that there will in fact be a hedge there one day. I would say in about 10 years. Okay. So that's good. Okay, well, there we are. Oh, I'll well, take that. Okay, well, yeah. But this, mm. it's, it's, it's just have got to have patience, really, don't you? Yes, I suppose you do. Anyway, I we I, just... sorry, I'm distracted by the word shrubbery, yeah. which always makes me laugh. Yeah, you as were. Well. Yeah, no. <laughs> so just say that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> shrubbery. I know, shrubbery. Yeah, shrubbery. <laughs> anyway, right, enough yeah. of that. Enough of that. Yes. One piece of feedback. Okay. Let's just do this one from... De- we- Thank you for the feedback that's been coming in. We'll do some more next week. Yes, it's, it's people talking about their shopping thing. So if you've if you've uh, yeah. if you've got more to say on that, do we'll, we'll pick it up next week. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought I'd do this one from um, David. He mm. says, Dear Joe and N, mm. thank you for your podcast. Uh, listen religiously every week. Really enjoy listening, learning and laughing. Really enjoyed the latest discussion about the Messiah purchase, which made me also think about spiritual giving, which I don't think has been discussed before. Attending and growing up in a church, the idea of giving 10% of your income to the church is fairly ingrained in me. And reviewing my giving, if I get a pay rise or a new job, etc. He says, with the mid-faith crisis, the idea of giving to an organisation that perhaps you don't always agree with or feel that the church isn't where you are at anymore Mm. is something I've been thinking about and have struggled with as I still give to that organisation. I do give to other organisations that are not Christian but support the poor, the environment, etc., There are a whole host of charities that support the spirituality that you talked about in the podcast. So developing the theme of shopping to giving, maybe it could be a separate podcast episode on giving. And how do you move and reconsider your giving if you are brought up to give to the church? Is it okay to just give to charities and other organisations that are doing kingdom work? I'd be really interested in your thoughts. Thanks very much. And keep up the great work, Dave. That's a really interesting point, isn't it? It is a very interesting point. Now, I think we will talk about it because we've got this interview this week. We probably won't do much yeah. this week, but I think that we could pick that up next week. I mean, I, I've not really thought about that, but I have. That is true. You know that a lot. You know, people give long term, yeah. and and they yeah. change, but perhaps the organisation doesn't. And does the organisation still reflect their their values? I think that's a really good. That's a really good point. Point. Yeah. And don't forget that charity we started the podcast with. Oh. <laughs> You want to help writers without central heating? <laughs> Please, if if that if you feel touched by the story of Nick and his poor household. <laughs> Please just text three thousand pounds or so. I don't know. <laughs> Can you do that anyway? No, no, I don't know. Uh, but if you have been meaning to give to the podcast because you like it for some strange oh, yeah. reason, and you haven't got around to it yet, then why don't you do it right now? There just is that. go to our website, yes. midfaithcrisis.org. That would be lovely. Yes. And and I'm sure we we conform to whatever values you hold. Now, frankly, if there's money involved, I'll conform to any of your values. <laughs> I don't mind. I can change theology if there's cash. Ready cash. No, anyway, said. enough Mr. about that. Mr. Integrity 2020. <laughs> right, OK. Oh, and here, look, look, here's a, here's a quote. I came across this quote um, this week and I thought of you immediately because uh, I loved it so much and knew you wouldn't. Frank Schaefer, he says this. He says, these days I hold two ideas about God simultaneously. He, she or it exists and he, she or it doesn't exist. I don't seesaw between these opposites. I embrace them. You will always be more than one person. You will always embody contradiction. You, like some sort of quantum mechanical physics experiment, will always be in two places at once. I just like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. I just like the paradox and the yeah, yeah. I don't disagree Good stuff. with it in some ways, except I don't think you can hold the two simultaneously. I'm not sure. I think you have to. See, I don't trust quantum physics. Right. Well, well I, it's weird. Well, I don't. It is weird. I don't because I've never seen it happen. You know, like the idea that if something no, well, you don't. No, but that's the point. If I put something in a box, it's still in that box. Yes. I think that's what quantum physics is about, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, you've 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 absolutely nailed it. You've got a very much fuller <laughs> grasp than so many professors I know. I don't know why they're wasting their time. Well, no. Look in the box. Yeah, they say, oh, you know, you see, the molecules or something can rearrange itself or whatever, and they're always zooming around throughout the universe. Is that right? Something like that. Well, that's that's right. There's a sense in which you know what is solid, what actually is solid, All right. because when you get down to the very smallest, you know. Yeah subatomic particles and you know they start behaving like waves and things then you start to think well maybe it's waves exist but then how come i'm sitting on a chair it's all very confusing well it is and me. more to the point not very helpful because i could really do with my boiler rearranging itself into for example <laughs> yes. a working boiler <laughs> yes that so would where be is quantum physics when you need where it, you eh? want to you clearly need a quantum mechanic I need a quantum plumber <laughs> <laughs> well, as normal, we don't know what we're talking about. No, so, shall we move on to someone who does? <laughs> well, yes, and and um, so and it, well, it kind of links in with the, what you just said, really. That uh, you know, two ideas about God or different ideas about God or you know, Absolutely. God and gender, because that's what this interview is all about. So, tell us, just li- give us a little bit of background how this interview came about. Uh, it yes. came about because you gate crashed somebody's completely <laughs> some... innocent house group. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, to be, I called it Crash the House Group, but to be fair, I was asked. And um, we were talking about things, but there was a beloved listener of ours uh, called Margaret Metcalf there, who, who, as I was talking a little bit, just hinting at patriarchy and, you know, its effects and, you know, the, the male way we speak about God, it was just more of a sort of an aside in the evening. She happened to let on to me the following day that she'd done a whole thesis, bit of research, I think it's leading to a PhD, in in the language we use mm. and the way it affects behaviour. She's actually been researching it. And, of course, this is music to my ears. I was so fascinated because I have long, well, as you will see in the interview, long long felt that our view of God absolutely shapes our behaviour. So um, I asked if I could interview her. She said yes. And, um, and, and this is just a, a, really a start of a conversation that needs to be so much bigger and so much longer. But she was an absolutely delight, a, a delight to interview. I'll say more about it afterwards, but shall we roll with it? Well, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the podcast by none other than Margaret Metcalf. Now, I have to say, Margaret, I don't really know you at all. We we met sort of through the podcast. I think you sent a couple of notes in and then we I crashed your home group one night. And then I found out you're doing this amazing research thesis. <laughs> so, oh, and this is, believe me, I am interested in this. There's no, no, no false flattery here. Please just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Joe. It's really lovely to see you again. Uh, so I'm Margaret. I live in Nottingham. Um, I'm becoming increasingly aware of the number of privileges and advantages I have in life. Mm. Um, and uh, my kind of day job is as a speech and language therapist in the NHS. Wow. And then with t- time with family and with friends, uh, Um, in the rest of life then I'm also just delighted by and inspired by 
reading, learning, exploring theology. Wow, amazing. Now, did you say theology or theology I, then? I said theology. Tell us what that means. <laughs> the, the word theology, T-H-E-O, yes. comes from the Greek theos, mm -hmm. which is well established as male god. Okay. And so by using thea, which yeah. is again from the Greek, but not male god, woman yeah. god. So it's my term of preference. And what I'm trying to say is that it is as appropriate and inappropriate to speak of God as she, as it is to speak of God as he. <laughs> so it's a little tiny yeah. pushback or indication that theology, God is, God is more than. Thank you. Well, I, I just think that that leads us nicely into why we're here today, uh, because I'm really keen to talk to you about what you've been studying and, and why you've been studying a little bit. So why don't we start there? Tell, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. Uh, so I have the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and among church communities and have remained part of church communities for all my life so far. I can't see that changing, although it gets a bit tough sometimes, to be honest. Um, mm. And like sadly too many people, I have noticed exclusion happening, noticed people being kept out of church mm. and have also found for myself and others that our faith is sort of being taken away from us. It's mm. becoming difficult to do, difficult to participate in, keep part of. Mm. And I had this hunch that the words we use in prayer and worship when we speak to the divine mm. and the words we use in conversation sermons about the divine, those words mm. had something to do with those um, behaviours of telling people that they don't fit or that they're not... Mm. They can't be belong or that they're they're no longer part of the community mm. so i've been studying words um particularly words to and for the divine mm. and looking at how those words influence our behavior to each other well thank you and thank you for doing this research, because I, too, for a long time now, I've had exactly the same hunch as you. But I but I've never really seen any sort of research into whether my whether those hunches are right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, just just at a purely pastoral level, I was always staggered by how many people I knew in the church who were just really mean. <laughs> they were really me. <laughs> I, 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 sorry to be blunt, but, but but I did start to ponder: Has their theology allowed them to to stop being loving and and to be me? So you know, I am passionately interested in this very area <laughs> of of research that you're doing. So I mean, you know, we could, clearly we could talk for hours, but I, I want to sort of move us towards. <laughs> what you've been learning and, and some of the conclusions of the work uh, you've been doing. Okay, I suppose the main conclusion, this is not work that has a sort of mechanical, if you say this, then this will happen. Mm. That's not, human beings are much more interesting than that. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. possible to pin people down. Sure. And it's not about any individual 
or um, telling somebody, or because you say this, then then you're a horrible person. This is not mm. where I'm at at all. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, but as a as a kind of big scale conclusion, if you like, what I've found is that the traditional words used to implore the divine, mm-hmm. Lord, Father, King, that set, mm. are mostly not fully, but mostly expressing a set of values that want churches to be places where some people are in control over and have power over others. Interesting. Right. And if we change the words, we can change that. Interesting. Because... The words give us a sense of these values and behaviours and make us people who act according to values of power, either submitting or Mm. taking power. And we know from all sorts of life experiences that where power is involved, there can be bad behaviour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've long held the suspicion that within evangelicalism, for all that's good, and I don't want to slag off evangelicalism at all, you know, Wesley, Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, they contributed so much. But the unexpected consequences of of the God that, that is championed in evangelicalism is that it's very hard for us to believe God is love. Because there's a there's a dissonance, isn't there? Because on the one hand, you're singing and you're saying and you're affirming God is love. But on the other hand, you cannot escape the fact he's going to get you in the end. And all the while, you know, the end to the story, you're going to hell. You're going to you're going to you're going to have eternal punishment. You're going to how can how can you possibly believe God is love? So and I and I think what we're starting to see now is a is a whole generation of people going this doesn't make sense and and this tribalism and this is exclusivism and this you know what god only likes this little group of people really they're the only ones and 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 you're telling me god is love no i don't think so so so, so, you know this is so interesting what are you sort of hoping for this research to to bring to people do you think (laughs) that's not too hard a question (laughs) Uh I would like it to help us as individuals, but primarily communities, to be able to think about what words are and how significant as well as ordinary they are, Mm. to begin to understand that a word that is given through the tradition isn't the only word that's possible Mm. and that we can sort of breathe a bit Mm. in our relationship with the divine and Mm. find ourselves in a relationship with a way of expressing that that helps us and others flourish Mm. because the people who benefit from the power over culture Mm. of uh what's often called patriarchy yeah you know we're used to that term but the 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 power of those in power if you like Mm. the people who benefit from that are being damaged 
just yes. as much as the people who are they are damaging it's hard to see and and because we become who we are within those patterns of power and power over it takes something to shape us to make us think differently mm. Mm. Um, and, and that's that's demanding um, so I'm hoping that by looking at words what it does is to reveal other things as well mm. but the words are a focus and you know changing the world which mm. we're all interested in doing yeah we really are um when I think about oh changing the world well I could go into politics no I couldn't mm. I could get involved in some social action yeah there's an awful mm. lot of stuff to be done mm. there's a wonderful wonderful thing happening um, you started a podcast and got ideas about that. Um, but I think I, I'm not sure how to start. I'm not sure where to begin. Mm. But words are something that all of us have some choices about. And we can yeah. start to think, well, oh, I'll change this word and see what it does. Yeah. Yeah. And we can start even with those words to and for the divine that we've been told this is. Yes. Yeah. This is what all you've got yeah words I mean, don't work like that we've got we've got we've got possibilities I, I this is fantastic and and i love that you call the divine i made that switch and i'm increasingly using the divine more and more because for me god not only has very masculine connotations but it has very warrior-like connotations you know our god is a mighty god and you know triumphant god and he's the god of our tribe and he will slay those you know it's like yeah. It, it, it's got all those connotations. It's not feminine. It's not tender. It's not particularly loving uh, for me. So I use it. I don't. I haven't got hang-ups on it. I don't mind if people use God. You, you know, I, I don't mind if if people call God He. I'm not going to, you know, get all sort of arsy about it. But, but I do want people to know the values that are behind the words we use and, 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 and like you say what I find in the church is that these values of exclusivism of um, you know it's and, and I wonder if we're so obsessed with believing the right things you, you know we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before mm. about creeds and beliefs and you know mm. we, we've all got to believe the right things I, I'm not sure whether what should actually unite us is our values mm. you know I, I mean, there are so many things I don't know what I believe about yeah, yeah. the divine. I, I really, I really don't. But I do know I believe in love and I do know I believe in kindness mm. and I do know I believe in inclusion and I believe in justice. Mm. So so let's use words that reflect our our values a bit more than our beliefs sometimes. I, 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 do, you, do you know what I mean? Yes, I, I, I do. Be helpful. And, and, and I, I hope that you know other I, I mean we i'd like to speak to you about what it's like to be a woman in a church actually mm -hmm. <laughs> um mm -hmm. because i have no experience of that i i have mm -hmm. my hunches about what it's like because i'm married to rachel <laughs> yeah but i'd love to you, you know i feel like there is a way through this and and you're hinting at it about you know focusing more on our words but tell us a little bit more about you know how you how you have found church as a woman i i think that's something our listeners would love to hear about if you can talk about that um i hmm. it, it, it's also interesting isn't it because you're saying what's it like for women and i'm saying well i what's it like for men then yeah 
I haven't got an experience of that either. Um, yeah. And it, there are so many factors that affect how we find church. Mm. Because if we're one of the favoured women, we have a different mm. view. Okay. So if we're one of the unfavoured, if we're one of the favoured men, we have a different view yes. to if we're one of the unfavoured. Yes. Um, if we're one of the older women. <laughs> yeah. You know, there is so many elements of being a, a part of a church community. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's I'm not helpful. sure that I could give an offer. No, sure. No, thank you. Um, because also, what's the norm? Is 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 the normative the male and then there are women? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I would always say that what is what's it like to be a, a middle class um, white man in a church? Pretty damn good, actually. That's what <laughs> yeah. it's like. Yeah. I mean, the church was made for us. It was built by us for us, uh, and uh, and it's pretty good. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's a, a short answer. That's Until a short you start answer. challenging it, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, and then you're in yeah. trouble. Yes. <laughs> and it does also bring us back in a way to those. I you, you talked earlier about God is not feminine, the the, the traditional, mm, yeah, yeah, and um, I find those the words feminine ma and masculine. I'm becoming uneasy with them because what they do mm. is to take us into the stereotypes yeah. of how we should behave yeah. again good and yes. what i'm finding with my research is is the multiplicities which are marvelous of what it is to be human which doesn't say you're a man you're therefore masculine you therefore behave mm. like this a, it doesn't happen, and B, we don't want it. And then equally in terms of the divine, the divine is neither masculine nor feminine. Yes. <laughs> and it isn't an either or or even a both. It's it's bigger than that. Yes, yes, it's other. Yeah. One of the things I'm really interested in is how different communities will emphasise different aspects of the divine that enable them. So... A community might go with God who is refugee mm. or exile and have a set of words around that because of their own experience and what brings yeah. them liberation yeah. and hope yeah. that I, I, I don't do, but I can be resourced by and enlightened mm. by and delighted by. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. What, what do you think it's, you know, having done your research, I mean, what do you really want to say to people and particularly perhaps people in influence? I mean, ministers of churches, be they male or female, but also, you know, even podcast hosts. <laughs> <laughs> How might we find ways of expressing the divine that would be helpful for people, do you think? I kind of want to say, come and play. Right. Come and play with Lovely. the words. Come and, come and find joy in... Mm who we are, who the divine is to us, and talking about that and saying that, saying those words. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's it, come and play. I love that, thank you. Our, our, <laughs> words, our words feel really small and insignificant, but yeah. they, they create us in, in ways of being and they create us and, and contribute to our ways of relating. Mm. And 
therefore if we start to to play with words mm. including words to inform the divine and that'll have on ongoing effects but also it can come from words to and for each other um yeah. you know there's all sorts of possibilities and mm. creativity and liberation that's those are key words you've used there <laughs> this is this has been so good <laughs> i mean i have to say having read through your paper i did take a couple of notes one in a ineluctably linguistic and perlocutionary speech acts <laughs> were just a few of the highlights for me <laughs> and I'm so glad to get the chance to talk with you <laughs> and get this stuff in a way I can understand it and I love that you finished with playfulness because there's ways of talking about these things and ways of not talking about them and, and I think one of the ways that always comes over you know not unhelpfully is when someone's got a real axe to grind and they're like criticizing they're picking you up every time you say this or you see that and I love that you don't come across that way at all you come across as someone who has such a passion for language and linguistics mm. and I love how you finished with playfulness just try try these things on and mm. and see what's helpful and and, and it's, it gives people permission I think we're all a bit afraid of being so heretical we can't can't call god this no <laughs> oh, call god find ways to express yeah. and to yeah. express your experience i think that's so yeah. lovely thank uh, you margaret i i love talking with you and i can do <laughs> is, is there anything else you want to say uh, to our listeners um being as you are one <laughs> so, <laughs> is there anything you want to say to them in terms of you, you know anything else i i i not sure that I've got a, a sort mm. of of one one thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it's that thing about not being afraid. Mm. Oh, there, well, there is something about that, isn't there? Well, I'm, I'm sure and that we, that crops the, up in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose that they matter, and their words matter, and there there's there's more to that. You know, they're wonderful. Yeah. We're wonderful yeah oh bless you margaret thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, speak with us today really appreciate it i'm i'm sure we're going to continue the conversation so uh, thank Lovely you for your you time again. today you. bless you. you bye now bye-bye bye-bye well that was uh joe interviewing margaret metcalf fascinating stuff yeah. i thought Oh, it's it's just brilliant it's just brilliant and sh and she's such a lovely person as well she comes over not as a sort of angry no. someone who's got a real axe to grind, but someone who's got an absolute passion for linguistics and language. And well, we're talking of axes to grind. I mean, in the yeah. interview, you and you say, you say I'm not someone who has an axe to grind. I, I couldn't <laughs> help thinking that there was there was a little bit of grinding axes by you in there. Uh, banging I on about know. tribalism and hell and all this kind of white middle what? class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I no, she's. I th I thought she had that kind of real um, lovely ability to sit back and not, yeah, not be angry about it. Although I imagine she might be a bit. And angry I would about get it. a lot more angry well, about exactly. it if it was me. That's the point, which is a mark of her maturity and and, and mine. <laughs> so, but but it, it's such a fascinating subject. Mm. The way we talk about the divine. It not only affects our behaviour, I think it affects our self-perceptions. And, you know, the woman to whom I'm married, 
and went through a little rebellious phase, you know, as we do in the whole mid-faith crisis. And, you know, we go through and often often anger is a characteristic. And, we're, and so and so she decided she would replace every time a hymn or a chorus or a song said he, she would unashamedly sing she. Mm. Um, sort of partly tongue-in-cheek, partly as a little dig, but what the result was was actually deeply profound. Mm. I mean, it, it had a real impact that actually discover it's okay to do this, that we can call the divine she, of course we can, and that actually it radically changes your perception. Um, you know, if you're thinking that, that God is a mighty warrior uh, who is, you know, one day going to get everyone and judge everyone and all the rest of it, then then you do have this quite aloof view. It's very difficult to talk about a God of love and hold those images when you refer to the divine as she, it's far easier, I think, to get a more tender, intimate uh, impression. Well, I divine. think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting just the, even the language you're oh. using about that, saying, well, she's being a bit yeah. rebellious. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yes. Why is that rebellious? But, it's, it's funny, uh, yeah, isn't well, it? Well, it isn't. No. No, it's not. And, but, and that's how... You know, she herself described it. But people feel yeah. threatened. People feel threatened by... I'm always interested in my own reactions. I'm always interested in my own reactions to anything, really. I think it's the most interesting subject on earth. But no, Of course. <laughs> but, but no, you know, um, sometimes when people pick me up on language, I, I get very defensive it, about mm. it. Or even when I hear people sort of using certain terms, I, I feel slightly defensive. And I think it's mm. it's kind of interesting. I don't know why that should be the case, Um Except I don't think any of us particularly like change, and, and maybe we feel threatened yeah. by that. Certainly, I hadn't come across the term theology before, which yeah. I think is interesting. And, of course, no reason why you couldn't call it that. It, it Looking into it a little bit, it does seem to be a term that threatens a lot of people. It does. You know, see, people do get a bit angry about it. I don't think they think it's a bit playful or creative or liberating. <laughs> I think, no. you know... No, possibly not. No, but obviously, feminist writers have, you know, I don't know whether its origins like. Yeah, I think it's a fairly recent one, from what I can tell. It's yeah. a fairly recent term, but and I think it's also it gets taken up quite a lot by non-Christian stuff, which I suppose yeah. only d increases the defensiveness of certain. Um, yeah, I can sure. only assume men. I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? I love that phrase that that she used. That a word that is given through the tradition isn't the only word that is possible. Which I think is kind yeah. of, that's what this podcast is all about. That's what our journey is all about. It's about hearing from different traditions. But it can be very threatening. I remember being in in the um, library of a well-known, mm. august, evangelical um, theology college. And I was working in the library there. Mm. And I, I picked up a copy. I can't remember why I was looking at it. I picked up a copy of David Pawson's book, uh, Leadership is Male. Leadership is Do you remember that? Classic. Yeah, I do. What was great about it was that I opened it up, and I'm not going to bleep this one out either. I opened it up, and, uh, <laughs> and just in a very tiny writing in the margin, up next to the title, somebody had written, Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah. well, there you are. There's an act of rebellion. That's a, that's a creative response. <laughs> that's a creative and playful response there. <laughs> But it, but it is, you know, it it can be quite threatening. And but I and I like yes. the idea of being, you know, if we view it as a bit more playful, 
and 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 creative then i think maybe that takes some of the threat away from those of us who 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 feel it a bit more keenly i don't know and if and if, if someone comes up to me and starts saying to me joe you shouldn't be using this word mm. you shouldn't be using that word you shouldn't be of course i'm going to be defensive right um so framing it differently and again i you know i just feel it's really important to say this isn't about being right on or politically correct i'm not really interested in any of that but i at some point when you do this really trying to understand who the divine is and understand who you are there comes a point when you realize you are blind to your own prejudices you you can't you know you can't see your blind spots they are your blind spots so you do need someone to help you see them yeah. now sometimes the angry person can see them and point them out but you're not going to hear it and that's why I think it pays to be more like Margaret was in that interview to say, hey, there's this, you know, to be this more winsome, gentle. Take a different approach. Take a different approach. Play with this. It's OK. I give you permission to. I, do you see what I mean? And then I go, yeah, do you know, I have always yeah. seen things that way. And what if I did try to adopt a different stance? No, I, I do see exactly what you mean. I think when we sit comfortably within a language, you, you know, you can't see it objectively. Mm. You can't think about it. Mm. And um, and I another quote i wrote down from her we become who we are within those patterns of power so we grow up within patterns of power wow. we become who we are yes and you can't really see that now it made me think of george orwell um politics there's a very famous essay called politics in the english language which i don't know if you've read but it but it's it's really about how language can be used to conceal or pre even prevent thought he says you know it's about the power of language to actually affect the way we think about things but it's also about how language is used to reinforce power and to, you know, deceive, really. Um, mm. And to, at least to conjure up false images. Because he says in it, I think one of the things he says is, you know, that the sole aim of a metaphor is to conjure up a visual image, which is really what we're talking about mm. here. It's about those metaphors mm. we use about God mm. and the images that they conjure up, which I don't think are just pictorial, are they? They're also about what Margaret was saying. Was They're about power and leadership and yeah, absolutely absolutely you know um, yeah really bronze age power structures yes <laughs> you know? yeah of course they are and of course they are how could they be about anything else really because that's what was understood then mm. So. Mm. no this is very powerful and good stuff and i'm going to be interested to see what our listeners have to say about so, it so i think my only question now is really that and is, mm. is I think I could have done with some more examples. I personally blame the interviewer, who I think was not really perhaps up to scratch on this. You would be right to blame the interviewer. But I, no, I, I don't know. I think, I think for me it's, yes, I really need to think about that phrase. How do we find the words that help people flourish? I really need to think about that. It's really important for me as a writer. Yeah. yeah. But I also need, I don't know what to no. do really necessarily. You're you're absolutely right, and I, and it was an oversight on me. And, I, and no, I it wasn't done. intended. We were, we were trying to play to the no, no, we were trying to play to the time and everything. But Margaret is converting her thesis to a book. So Margaret, when the book's done, please come back and let's talk about some of the practical yeah. things we could do. That would be really fantastic. and do it quickly because I I can't I can't wait that long to find out. <laughs> Hurry up! Write faster than Nick. <laughs> <Is> it? <laughs> yeah, it's not hard. Um, but, you know, no, I think that's really interesting. How do we yeah. use words to help people flourish? How do we um, how do we question our own language? What do we look at? How do we look at the assumptions? Yeah. It's it's a really challenging area. So thank you for the interview. Yeah. Thank you for setting that up. Yeah. That was great. 
Oh, wonderful. And thank you, Margaret, for, I mean, just really helping us think that. And that's a lovely, lovely phrase, how we find uh, language that helps people flourish. Mm. And I think that's a really good question to ask yourself, you know, coming coming through mid-faith crisis and everything, um, coming out the other side. Be aware of the language you use, you know, with other people, about yourself, about the divine mm. um, and about your church even. Yeah, because I think the good thing about that phrase yeah. is it's not just yeah. about gender, is it? Is that you can easily just no. fall into a whole gender thing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there's lots of other uh, ways we speak that don't help people flourish, really. Mm. I'm painfully aware of how easily I can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's worth challenging that. Anyway, great. Well, if you've got any thoughts on uh, language and mm. how, it, how it affects uh, people and faith and all that kind of stuff. If, if indeed you've got any thoughts on rude place names as well, I'd be interested to hear those. <laughs> yeah, if you live in a place... Oh, wouldn't rude, that be great? Like if, if you are from Two Cocks in Cornwall, <laughs> write to us. Stop it. <laughs> uh, and next week we're going to talk about... Uh, it's our 150th episode next week. Is it? Yeah. Well, there ought to be some sort of celebration or a mass small lament. Cake. <laughs> a mass <laughs> lament, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're going to be picking up on the whole shopping theme and uh, also maybe talking about giving and money and stuff, I suppose. Could Yes, do. let's. Okay. Let's go there. All right, let's go there. Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you very much, Margaret, for uh, yes, thank you. joining us. And um, yeah, we, we hope to be with you next week. See you next time. Bye.